Hey guys, welcome back. We are in the zone, episode 23. This is going to be a jam-packed episode. We have NXT review, WrestleMania review, and of course, my favorite time of the year, NHL postseason preview. So without further ado, guys, on the Friday night before WrestleMania, we had NXT takeover, and let's just say, as always, did not disappoint in my opinion. I thought there wasn't really a dud in this pay-per-view and Triple H just keeps doing a great job. Guys, what was your favorite moment from this pay-per-view? Gotta go with the ending. The uh, Gargano and Cole 2 out of 3 falls match. It's one of the rare matches that I've seen in my life where I wanted Cole to win. And then throughout the match, I slowly switched to Gargano. Just because the emotions were running so high. and It was like a 40-minute match, you said. and uh, Yeah, the, the takeovers are usually flawless and this was no exception. Yeah, I really like that main event. 40 minutes in, and you see every time the Undisputed Era would come in and do that run-in, Adam Cole would hit the last shot. One, two, Gargano would kick out. And then he would do it again, and then he'd kick out, and the crowd got louder and louder after each pinfall. So right when he won the title, it kind of uh, built the place up. And he went to the ramp, and who came out? Tommaso Ciampa. And that was the best moment of the night, best moment probably in NXT. And the other match, Velveteen Dream, Matt Riddle, really took it up a notch there. Velveteen Dream channeling Hulk Hogan, he hulked up. Oh my god, that was good. It's just Velveteen Dream's good. Yeah, for me, it was obviously the main event. How can you not say that? I mean, Gargano and Adam Cole arguably put on a better match than the match of the year last year with Andrade and Gargano. So Gargano just continues to be running NXT. We all kind of thought that he wouldn't win because he was up in the main roster for a little bit. Adam Cole was never really called up, and we all kind of thought this is probably his moment. Ciampa was a heel champ. Adam Cole, you know, he could easily transition back to the heel champ. But instead, they went with the tag team partner, Gargano winning. I think it made the most sense. But again, when you put on a 38-minute clinic, just with storytelling and even, you know, the Undisputed Era getting involved and he still kicked out and showing how much heart he had... It was just, it was a fantastic moment. And for me, another underrated match again. I don't know what the War Raiders are doing, but man, they're one of the best tag teams in wrestling. I thought from day one, when I would think of NXT tag teams as like one of the greats, I always think of DIY and I think of the revival. But match after match after match, the War Raiders are climbing that list for me because they keep on putting on match of the night contending matches and this is crazy this was another one again i think it was a predictable outcome with black and ricochet not really winning they've already done their stuff in nxt but wow hansen and even roe is getting better day in day out in the ring so see hansen with that swanton that guy's like 340 pounds he's thinking with swanton off the turnbuckle to the outside he did a a springboard too oh man he's a cruiserweight (laughs) the best was ricochet when he lifted him up and gave him the fall away slam guys unbelievable (laughs) but yeah that was that it was another great show uh one more thing actually what were your thoughts on pete dunn's reign finally ending it was like about two years just what were your thoughts on that it was about time yeah like it was too long like if he was gonna be walter make it look believable but i'm surprised they even made it look that back and forth i mean uh pete dunn looks stronger than I thought Walter was going to come in, beat him in like five, ten minutes at most. But they actually had a really long match. I think it was like one of the longest matches on the card. And uh, Walter now, he's going to have NXT UK's brand on his shoulders. Pete Dunn's going to probably get moved up to SmackDown, I think. 
or 205 Live, depending where they want to go with them. But yeah, it was a great title reign for NXT's UK brand, Walter now with those chops. Oh, look, look out for everyone else. So now looking at how well NXT did with the three-hour format, going into WrestleMania, is it safe to say that Mania has to be like four hours again? Because now I'm going to go into WrestleMania, talk about it. This is the transition. A two-hour pre-show, and then what was it? Like a five-hour um, main show? Like just that? That's just seven hours of wrestling. And your eyes just on a TV, like, for seven hours. Like, do they not understand that that is a very long time? Like, go, like going through the show, I know that I'm not the only one. After the Kofi and Daniel Bryan match, there was that solid hour there where I literally was fed up, didn't care. I was tired. All the matches were kind of, they felt off. They felt like they were missing something. The interest level for me was like very low with that hour because I was just so tired. And, you know, they got the moment with Kofi winning. So, guys, like if, if you guys were like Vince McMahon, how long would you make WrestleMania? Uh, I'm probably doing a one hour pre-show and then four hours for the uh, for the event. So a five hours. Because it was the same for me. Like the, the Kofi and Brian match was amazing. And then after that, you're just you're so fucking tired. Yeah. And then you're still like two more hours to go and. There's so many meaningful storylines, but you don't have the, <laughs> you don't have it in you. Like it's just too much sometimes. Yeah, I would do that too. One hour, because even watching the pre-show, it wasn't too bad. But that one hour, if they had like the cruiserweight title, then they had the tag title match, they had the battle royals. Cut that down to maybe a battle royal and a tag match, and then you put the cruiserweight match on the battle royal to kill time on the pay-per-view, get the crowd back into what's going to be coming up next. The two hours was bad, and going forward, maybe four hours would be a good time. For yeah, I, I, for me, I say four or five hours. Yeah. The pre-show was at one match, talk for 45 minutes. Yeah. The other match, another half an hour. I'm like, oh my, this is, it's, it's so much. It's yeah, so like, so now we're going to get into the pre-show quickly. I just want to go through every match because it is WrestleMania. It's a big deal. Tony Nice finally defeating Buddy Murphy for the Cruiserweight title. Again, it's a shame this is on the pre-show, but... Man, these guys did not disappoint. I thought this was a fantastic match. I like the idea of Buddy Murphy trying to, you know, steal Tony Nese's move at the end and, you know, trying to trying to rub in his face that he is the better superstar, but Tony Nese finally getting his moment and defeating the pretty long-reigning Buddy Murphy. And what were your guys' thoughts on his reign overall? Do you think he's going to get called up now or do you think they're going to continue this program a little a little longer? I uh, I would like to see the program continue. I think there's there's unfinished business in that storyline, but uh, I think you're looking at a Buddy Murphy call up eventually. Just one more feud with Tony Nice. I was back and forth on this match for a while. I thought, I thought Tony at first, and then I finished with Buddy, and then yeah, Tony got the win. It was a nice feel good moment, and it really was a shame that this was on the kickoff show, as they yeah. call it. Should have been on the main show. These two guys had a really good match, and uh, Tony Nice. I would like to see it continue as well, but. They signed, NXT signed Kushida, the time splitter from New Japan. It's got a cool gimmick, that Back to the Future type of thing. So I don't think he'll be on NXT for a long, long time, like over a year. I think maybe six months would be the max there. And I think I see him going on to 205 Live when Buddy Murphy goes to the main roster. And maybe him and Tony Nese have a feud down the road. Next up we had was the the, the Women's Battle Royal and... I'm not going to lie, guys. Didn't really 
didn't really expect much of it. And the people involved were there were there was a few promising people in it, like Candice LeRae and Zelina Vega, and you had a couple young people in there, but. I was kind of disappointed. They didn't have Rhea Ripley in there, kind of like how Peyton Royce was in it last year. They didn't have, I think, enough NXT people. They had Kyrie Sane we saw the night before. Um, they didn't have Io Shirai in it, thought they would. But again, what were your thoughts on the ending? I mean, Carmella beating Sarah Logan in the finals, kind of random for me. I thought Asuka was, like the, was the winner, and she didn't win, and it was kind of weird. But <laughs> did Sarah Logan eliminate Asuka? I think I thought she won. Yeah, like, I was actually, I that was, was a good uh, swerve. I thought she won the match. I'm like, what the hell did they just do? And then Carmella comes in the ring. Yeah. See Sarah standing there. I'm like, it's about time the Riot Squad yeah. finally gets up. Oh, no, there was Carmella. Yeah. But they need to, this sliding under the rope bullshit and yeah. disappearing for half an hour, there's got to be some <laughs> sort of structure there. Because even in the Rumble, you see it. And like, I actually hate that rule. Yeah. Because like, if you're running down to the ramp, it doesn't click into your head like, oh, maybe I just chill out off the side and wait to the end of the match. Like, why doesn't everyone do that if that's the case? The thing that also made no sense to me was like three divas got entrances. Yeah. And Naomi was one of them and she didn't even last like five minutes. So I, I don't know why they love her so much. I don't know either. But I, I, I hinted, I, I think they hinted a little Ember Moon Naomi feud down the road. I think that's happening. She Dana Brooke got a big reaction there and then. I'm, like, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. She she she's looking. She's looking pretty good. She took out a few people. Didn't yeah, she? surprisingly she, too. She took out a lot more than I thought. I thought she was gonna be eliminated the first one because she's been <laughs> the Miss Positive Message. I want to improve in the ring. It's not like she's reading. <laughs> I'm proud for Becky Lynch. Okay, that's good. Like, oh god, <laughs> it's funny too because this match really doesn't mean shit. So yeah. I'm done talking about it. Sonya Deville even looked good in the match and Mandy Rose, but. They didn't go into so, that. Direction. I thought for a second I thought Sonya was gonna eliminate Mandy. Yeah. But that but that lot. but that didn't happen. So I think down the road that has to be a program. It I has do, to. I like the new faces though. It was like the final three. It was okay, Oscar was there and then Sarah and Sonya. I'm like, you know what? I kinda dig this, even though most people don't really care. I guess it's cool. If yeah. they turn though, Sonya and Mandy, which will probably happen, who do you think should Sonya's be? Sonya's the face, hundred percent. So? Yeah. I think Mandy should be the face. I think I'm with him on this one. I think Sonia would be the because then after Sonia can say she's jealous of Mandy because I feel I feel Mandy. like I feel like Mandy like the way she like carries herself is more of the heel yeah like in her gimmick how like it like like it's all glamorous and it glows and that's more heelish so yeah but anyways <laughs> then we're gonna go into the Raw tag titles they were on the pre-show too and we saw one of the longest streaks end 269 losing streak Kurt Hawkins. And Zack Ryder defeating the Revival to win the Raw Tag Titles. As soon as I saw this match was promoted, I knew that they were winning it because streaks are a big deal and they're broken at Mania. That's just how it is. Where was it promoted? On social media. There it is. <laughs> yeah, that says something. The match, you know what though? The match was actually solid. It was. They gave it a lot of time. 14 minutes. It, it felt like 25 minutes, yeah. man. Like the Revival were owning them for a while and then the big comeback at the end and you got to love Kurt Hawkins. The thing I loved about the match was the Revival were wearing yellow. Zack Ryder was wearing yellow. And then Kurt Hawkins was wearing green. It's like, did you guys not like talk at all? Like, not even going to match? They nothing. must have thought it was going to be a two-minute match. And then when they told them, oh, 17 minutes. Oh, damn. <laughs> made a huge mistake. But uh, that was good. I liked it. It was longer than I thought. It was a good match. The former Edge heads getting the tag titles at WrestleMania. 
Dash Wilder, big ups to him. Canadian hero over there, knocking out that guy that tackled Bret Hart. Yeah, that was Dash Wilder when he comes to. He Toronto. got the pop, eh? Yeah. That was Second hilarious. Yeah, he's, <laughs> a, he's a Canadian hero. But yeah, um, again, like some of the spots too during the match at the end, like the oh, outside, yeah. they were crazy. taking hard bumps, like Kurt and Zach. I'm like, oh shit, these guys are all right. And then they and then he did the roll up in one, and I was like, okay, that good for them. Like it's probably got it's probably not going to mean anything down the like yeah, it's probably. not going to be a long reign, but you know, Kurt got his streak. You know, it's it's over. So. <laughs> at the end, at some point. And then of course we had the 30 man Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Braun Strowman wins in very predictable fashion. I want to mention one name that was probably the biggest disappointment in this match. EC3 uh, was probably in it for, what, a minute? Didn't even see him get eliminated. You show, like, like a flash of him falling, and it was literally it. That's all he talked about. I'm like, this guy should be doing a lot more than this. He should have won the match. Even have the SNL guys cost Braun Strowman and have EC3. Another another thing I want to talk about was Andrade getting eliminated, which was to me a little bit of a disappointment, and Ali taking that bump oh off that announce table when he got eliminated. And of course, another guy I have to mention is Luke Harper coming back. He looked really good and he looks very thin. I feel like we say that every time he comes back from an injury. Yeah, he just looks better and better. And yeah, he looks very lean. Yeah, they're not doing anything with it. They teased the Harper and Strowman thing, which was pretty cool, but that lasted literally like a split second, and then that and was it. Was it. Didn't uh, Andrade eliminate himself? He did. He did the Huracurana, and he's yeah. like, "Oh, what did I just do?" I wouldn't want to be in that match either. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I didn't like how it was basically revolved around three people. Yeah, and that was the end result. So that was it. So now we get into the actual show. Opening was Alexa Bliss. Hulk Hogan comes out, butches the name again because that's, I guess, his new shtick. I think that is. I think he's doing it. The MetLife Center, brother. Like, it was not center. If you look to your left, you see MetLife Stadium, <laughs> a big-ass sign. But anyways, the I love I love the beginning of this mania. Heyman just storms out. He's like, if we're not the main event, we're going right now. I'm not waiting all night. <laughs> Lesnar's music hits. He looks ready to go. He looks like mm-hmm. he's sporting a nice tan. I don't know if that's yeah. spray tan or whatever the hell he has, but Lesnar looks really good. He looks lean. He looks ready for UFC if that's where he's going. Seth comes out with a pretty cool Beast Slayer entrance. I thought that was pretty cool. And then this match literally to me fell flat. It was two minutes, 30 seconds, but the end result was what we wanted. <laughs> Seth Rollins winning the universal title. What were your thoughts with the with this whole thing? Okay, the result was great. Everything was – the entrances were good. They really – Built up uh, Seth Rollins' entrance. The match being two minutes and 30 seconds is kind of... That doesn't do it for me. Like, and the fans there too. Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins didn't look invested in the match. They didn't. I don't think they were supposed to start the show. I think they were supposed to go on after AJ and Randy. So you can tell that was just thrown in last minute. And I don't know, like... Do people, when they look back, they're going to say you won in two minutes and 30 seconds in the opening match. It's not really like a memorable match where it was back and forth like Balor versus Lesnar they built it like that it would have been way better the moment I thought it was just like a rush moment to start the show for me the thing that really upset me was it's getting to the point now in Lesnar matches when you see three finishers in a row like you expect him to kick out and this didn't happen here so like at the same time I was like okay like he didn't kick out but then you look at the time it's like that was that was nothing like Lesnar literally got what five Germans in yeah before the match and then he hit an F5 on the outside and then that was literally it so when you actually look at it Lesnar did nothing because it was before the bell rang (laughs) 
Like, again, I get the whole low blow thing and then the curb stomps. But, like, come on. Like, you could have done so much more. Seth Rollins is a guy that could carry uh, at least a 10-minute match. And it's for and, a world title. And they just went and they're like, you know what, Lesnar, uh, we're going to go with the whole Lesnar's upset gimmick of not main eventing. He's just going to go out and then just get squashed, basically. Do you and, feel like when Lesnar found out that the women were closing, he went to Vince and said, I want to go on first. I'm actually not waiting. Or do you think that was all scripted? No, that's all scripted. Nobody cares. Because <laughs> I, can, I can just see Lesnar doing that. I could, I could actually see him doing it, they too. They just pay him. He doesn't care. I could, I see, I could see him being like, why am I not the main event? Like, just like, <laughs> have me go out first then. Because I feel like even Seth wasn't – like, he wasn't into it because I, I don't think he expected himself to open. Because he did win the Royal Rumble, and it's like we should be like at least sub main eventing, not like or in the middle. Yeah, not like opening the show, hour. and yeah. like even like when he celebrated, like like going, you know, like when he swings swing the belt, it's like it, the show just started. Like it's kind of seems like the ending. Yeah, yeah. like it, like <laughs> the firework display. Like what the hell is going? Like on I think there? it threw Seth off a bit. Like when he was up there, he's like ah, like it doesn't feel the same. Like his Mania Thirty One moment is way better than this one, a hundred percent. But again, like. As a fan, like, you are happy that Lesnar's finally yeah. not the champ. But at the end of the day, it's like you could have gone such a better route than that. Like, two minutes. And like, every universal title, like, the fans, when it changes hands, it's always been, like, a quick match. It's the most like, unspectacular yeah. way. Yeah, it doesn't make the it. title look good. <laughs> but, like, if this means that Lesnar is gone, because I'm pretty sure he was yeah. not on Raw. He's not. He's gone. Um, we now have a full-time champ in Seth Rollins. Whether he turns heel... Stays face, whatever it may be, I know he will make it work. So I'm just happy that the Universal Championship has finally changed hands onto a full time performer. I think that's why fans weren't really like yeah. upset, like, oh, okay, like we got our title back, whatever. Like, well, I told you last week, I'm like, I could care less for the match, it's the last 30 seconds. Yeah. I just want to see the title on Seth and then go from there. So for me, it was just a, uh, later success. on, I'll tell you guys what they should have done, but they always <laughs> should have done the double turn. I think that's what they double but even okay. I'll bring this up now as well. Lars Sullivan debuted and attacked Kurt Angle on Raw. Kurt Angle's retired now. He attacks a fifty-year-old guy. How is that going to help his career? If he came out during this match and attacked Seth Rollins and Brock Lesnar, beat them up both, and took away their moment, you would have said this guy's next in line for a title match. But that's not what they do. WWE creative, and now Seth Rollins has a rushed main event opening match. And now his next challenger is God knows who. <laughs> but yeah, that was a uh, yeah. I, th- I think the Lars thing with the anxiety attack, they're still kind of yeah. Like they're not nervous about him, but like they're still trying to get their bearings of who Lars Sullivan really is, and if he is that guy that can you know dominate like a Braun Strowman. But um, I don't know if he. I don't know if him being involved in this match really would have done anything for Lesnar and Seth. Yeah. Like, I feel like we all know Seth probably would have gotten his moment regardless. But, like, I love how the closer it got to the pay-per-view, the less I had faith in Rollins winning. Because, oh, I, yeah, like, I, I was like, okay, is Rollins really winning this? Like, I have Kofi slated to win and I have Becky slated to win. So, is Seth really winning? Like, I don't know. Like, they'll swerve us with something. <laughs> and they didn't. And Seth won. So, the first match to me, 2 minutes 30 seconds, but it was the end result that made everyone happy and seth retaining then we had aj versus randy which was apparently supposed to be the opening match of wrestlemania 16 minute match to me this match was good but i expected it to be better than what it was 
Yeah, we said before it uh, it was one of those matches that could potentially steal the show. But uh, when you look back on it, it may just be another match on the card. It was fine. It did its job. Styles got the win. I liked the 450 spot. He went for the springboard. And then he, he had, just yeah. dropped back on the apron. So, yeah, it was solid stuff. Yeah, the, 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 the moment I love was when he went for the phenomenal forearm. And then he stepped off. And then he went for the RKO. And oh, then he yeah. did the 450. Yeah. Light, too. Yeah, I saw the that. Were, they weren't liking that. <laughs> it was flashing. They couldn't see the ring. Uh, at the end of the day, Styles clash or like a big impactful move. I think they're going to continue that now. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I think it did its job. It was a pretty decent yeah. match. I'd rate it maybe, what, like a three and a half out of five. Like yeah, yeah. B+. Plus. Uh, the next match here was a fatal four-way tag match for the SmackDown tag titles. It was a 10-minute match. You had the Usos, you had Shinsuke and Rusev, and then you had the Bar and Alistair Black Ricochet. I thought this was a fun match, honestly, for the 10 minutes that they were out there. I mean, to be honest, the Usos winning, uh, didn't expect it because they didn't have a lot of offense yeah. in this match. I thought it was a lot of Black and Ricochet and a lot of Shinsuke in the match. So it's nice, to, uh, nice to see Shinsuke. Yeah, That's finally. all I'm going to say. <laughs> What'd you guys think on the bar being involved in this? I loved it. They had probably the biggest spot in this match with the <laughs> Cesaro swing, and then Sheamus clubbing the hell out of everyone on the outside there. So yeah, the very reliable tag team. I'd throw them in any situation. This was a nice ten minute sprint. I thought uh, Black and Ricochet would take it though. We did it before the SmackDown, so we didn't know if they were going to be in the match. We just assumed it was the Hardy Boys. They kind of goofed it with that one. But yeah, this 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 was fun. I like this. I think. For me, the the grade goes up because of the like the unpredictability. I I I I put the Usos winning, but everyone else that watched it with us did not put the Usos winning. They put Black and Ricochet. I think Carabetta even put Rusev and Shinsuke winning. That would have been a good surprise. Which well, yeah, that would have been a good surprise, but didn't happen. So Usos retained. But now, as we as I saw at least today, they are defending them tonight against the Hardys. On SmackDown Live, which might mean that the Hardys win the SmackDown tag titles. And I definitely do not want that. I don't want the tag champs to be the Hardys and the Edgeheads. I'm sorry. <laughs> Going back in time here. I don't, I don't want that. That's just something I don't want. So then after that, we had Shane and The Miz in a False Count Anywhere match, which to me, it did its job. It was 15 minutes. Had a couple good spots. Alino. I love it. This match was fun. A visit. See Shane too going after his dad. His dad getting in the ring and scoring up to him, and then he hits his dad. Miz with a golf cart. Like the match was. Those guys are vicious. And then the ending was good. The suplex and that swerve at the end with Shane. His arm was over him for the one, two, three. It was very Triple H Undertaker at X7, and they just went around the whole yeah. friggin' building. I just I love how Miz beat the holy hell out of him. He did. And Shane gets the win off of that fluky little friggin' arm. They're both passed out. So for that reason alone, I think <laughs> this is going to keep going. They actually made the Miz look like a star, though, for once. Show him respect. Have him fireworks and the. For me, yeah. honestly, uh, uh, I I loved the match. I thought it was, it did its job. The Miz, you know, looking like the badass here, you know, defending his dad, beating the hell out of an old man. But at the end of the day, the end result pisses me off because I don't want this to continue. Yeah. It's been going since like like December. And, like, I think this has to end now. I think The Miz is destined for better things, and I want to see him at least. I know Daniel Bryan's not the champ now, but if I have to see Miz and Daniel Bryan again go at it, like, just do that. I don't want Shane to be a part of the programming anymore. He's 50-something years old. Yeah. 
like to be a theme. Stop yeah. stealing damn spotlights, man. Maybe next pay per view, Money in the Bank. Do they can had Shane and the Miz in that, and the Miz gets them back by winning the Money in the Bank. That you know, you know what I would do if if I was booking and this because Money in the Bank is is that the next pay per view? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. They moved it up this year. Oh shit! See there now, like what I would have done was if you want to do Miz and Shane again, you have Shane's career on the line. And you have the Miz basically say, fuck you, yeah. I retired you. I think they should do what you said last week and settle it for the best in the world trophy. Inside Hell in a Cell. Just fucking do it on a SmackDown, no pay-per-view, none of this nonsense. Uh, they can't, <laughs> if they do it in a singles match, it won't be the best of matches. It's only They need something like a no-holds-barred, false counter. They need a stipulation to make it work because if they have a singles match, it'll be a real rough <laughs> 20 minutes. Yeah, um... In terms of Money in the Bank contenders and like Money in the Bank favorites to win it, The Miz is definitely one of those guys where I'd like to see him win it again. I think he he's in a good spot right now where he's a face. I think him winning a Money in the Bank would just make his face run even better. I think that would be something. Two-time. Two-time. But again, there's other guys like Andrade and Drew and all these guys that I think they need it too. Yeah, It's that kind of match where you can throw like all these guys who uh, who haven't proven themselves yet. But they always seem to go the other way. Yeah. But look at the 2012 match. You had like so many guys. Like you had Barrett, you had Ziggler, you had Cody Rhodes, you had Damian, and Damian went over. I think Brian so, at the time, or was that the year before? That was the year. Yeah, before. That was a great one. Was one. The 2011 one was fantastic. Yeah, like one of the best pay per views all time. Just my opinion. But yeah, we're getting <laughs> off topic now. Fatal four way tag team match for the women's tag titles. We saw a surprise here. The Iconics yeah. beating. <laughs> The Boston actually pinning the Boston Hug Connection, pinning Bailey. Um, what were your guys' thoughts on this match? To me, I thought it was whatever. I didn't really enjoy it based off of the teams involved. I thought they could have gone just a regular tag match. You didn't have to have Nia and Tamina and Beth and Natalia. You did not have to have them in there. But at the end of the day, the Iconics come out, the new tag champs. I'm, I'm not. I don't agree with it. I think they're not really ready yet to hold the gold. But if it is a team, it's probably them or the Riot Squad. So I'm happy that they actually gave the tag titles to an actual tag team. Yeah. yeah I really wanted them to retain. But if they had to lose to one team, Billy and Peyton. Because I can just picture them every week coming out and just ducking out of matchups being so annoying the way they are. And it should make for some uh, really entertaining TV. That yeah, was a good surprise. I'm just happy it wasn't Nia and Tamina walking off the tag terms because that would have been bad. Up next we had was, my opinion, the best match of the night by a mile. Kofi Kingston versus yeah. Daniel Bryan. What were your guys' thoughts on this one? Just the build, everything going into it. What were your thoughts on it? I really liked it. Match of the night, easily. Uh, I even thought that Daniel Bryan at times, it was like the Adam Cole-Gargano match. You thought maybe when he hit him with the knee that it was over and then the crowd would have been upset because they already got that moment with Seth in the beginning so Kofi winning was really great and when he celebrated at the end the new day came out with the old WWE title and the merch they already have that selling and his kids in the ring too so that was a good moment for Kofi I think my favorite part of the whole match towards the end when Brian was in the corner with the fucking smirk on his face <laughs> he's just doing the yes chant and everyone's chanting no with him but yeah it was similar to the Cole Gargano it was a very emotional match uh, I think this match was for the wrestling fans. Yeah. For, yeah. Like the three of us and the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, this was just solid. Um, one thing I want to bring up is Kofi Kingston kind of ascending to the top. Would you say it's basically because of Mustafa Ali? 
Like in the long run, you're looking at it now. It's like, did they really? Was this really planned? Kofi Kingston winning the WWE title. Like you have to look back on it maybe three months ago. No, it definitely was not planned. Because like they say all the time, plans change all the time, like on a whim. And this was just another example. Like I don't think Ali would have gotten the moment that Kofi got last night or on uh, on Sunday. But uh, yeah, I don't think this was the original plan. Like. I love it, but because like again, like you said, there's so many options. Like going forward, you could have a Daniel Bryan rematch. You could even have Big E turning, and you could have a singles match or whatever the hell you want to do. But at the end of the day, this match delivered. I was happy. 23 minutes. Kofi Kingston looked. At times, he looked like he was gonna lose. The crowd was from the get go fully behind him. I love the finish. I love how. Um, what did he do? I think he missed the running knee, and then he ran into the trouble in paradise. Then that was it. Um, but another thing that was very underrated for me during the match was the near falls. Yeah. There was a moment there where there were at least like maybe three near falls in a row. Okay, like this is like I got to start standing now. This is getting exciting. And, you know, the huge payoff to me was great. I love bringing the old title back because I, I couldn't see Kofi holding that Kofi. that that title. <laughs> I, I just couldn't see it. So when they pulled it, I'm like, okay, thank God it's back. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think uh, him moving forward, I don't know if he's a transitional champion. I don't know what they're doing with him, but right now it's all about Kofi Kingston. And, you know, the fans were ready for it. We were ready for it. And WWE's ready for it. So that was basically it. For me, that was a highlight of the show, hands down. And now we're going to get into the next hour, which was just, to me, the only really bad part of the show. So first it was Samoa versus Ray, U.S. title match, squash match. I'm happy for Samoa to retain, but for Ray's sake, I don't really know what this does for you. Like, He was injured, I think. They had to rush that. I will say, uh, when Joe loses, it seems to be like out of nowhere. Like, you know, with the roll-ups, and he always looks so surprised. Oh, yeah. Like, he makes one mistake, and then it's over. I like how when he came in, the guy just looks like a serial killer. And the second when Ray made one mistake, he just choked his ass out. Kind of saying that, okay, I've made all these mistakes before, but on the grandest stage of them all... I proved everyone wrong, and he takes his title and then walks back up the ramp looking like a badass. So that could be one of the best squashes in history, assuming they go forward with Joe. And it's believable. One minute, like when you see Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio, and you see that match going a minute and Samoa Joe submitting him, it's believable. When you see like other matches later on in the card that we'll get into that were like four minutes, oh, believable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the match did its job. I'm happy that... Uh, that Samoa Joe retained, but again, this doesn't really do anything for the U.S. title. It does it for it does it for Samoa Joe, but for the U.S. title, really nothing. So we'll see moving forward what where they go with this. But uh, for me, the match was was not, was really was really nothing. So um, next we had was to me the most underwhelming match on the show was Roman Reigns versus Drew. Um, there were times where I really wanted Drew McIntyre to win, and like I'm so upset that they actually didn't have him win this. Um, I think Drew needed the win. One of the, I think he was one of the only superstars going into Mania that like I think needed the win. And obviously, when you go up against the Roman Reigns returning from leukemia, you're not gonna win. And uh, apparently, there was a big brawl that ensued in the crowd during this match. That's why they were booing. That, that's what I heard. But if I'm Vince McMahon and you're looking at these two having a singles match at WrestleMania and the way it panned out, I'd be I'd be furious because to me this match didn't really do anything for me. I thought they could have done a lot more. Uh, the story I love the story for Drew when he was like slowly taking apart the Shield 
and he would beat Dean Ambrose every week, and he'd get the better of Seth Rollins every week, the guy who won the fucking Universal title off Lesnar. But when he goes up against Roman Reigns, it just takes one spear to put him down, and it seemed kind of flat for me. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, it, To me, it, it kind of related... It kind of... Uh, what, what am I trying to... It compared to Strowman and Lesnar for me. Yeah. Like, at no mercy, that match. Where, like, you're lo- you're, you want it to be so much more than what it was. One finisher, and that's it. And it's like, you have Drew take down Dean. That that falls count anywhere. He, he dismantled Dean. Made him feel sympathy, coming off a fresh face turn. And then this happens, and it's one spear, and that is it. And the thing that upsets me with Roman Reigns is Drew did the headbutt. And he hits off the ropes and does the Superman punch. And it's like, come on, man. Like, you got to sell sometimes. Especially, like, a guy, a guy like Drew McIntyre. You got to sell that. Yeah. You can't just go off the ropes and do your signature back. And, like, to me, even the spirit just kind of – it was like he did, like, the wake-up taunt, connected. That was it. And it's like, what next? It's like a regular <laughs> Raw match. Yeah. I looked at you. I'm like, he's kicking out. Oh, oh what? <laughs> and he didn't kick out. And I was like – if this really means you got to give Batista Triple H an extra five minutes, of course, like that's <laughs> awful. So up next we have was Triple H versus Batista. I want to talk about the entrances. Batista was definitely on like Adderall or cocaine. He was fucking shaky as shit. Goes to the ring and does a nice little botch, trips in it, gets back out, and then he he does it again and goes in and starts laughing. I like that. But guys, this match to me, I didn't really like it. I, I don't. I know you liked it. Yeah, I, I liked did. It. I did not really like this. Too long for me. Yeah, it was too long. I would agree with that. But like for what it was, like Batista's last match, Triple H being a sicko and ripping out his nose ring. That I don't know. If they needed to do that, but they did. <laughs> and Batista like had his moments there. And uh, that table spot was. It wasn't even breaking the table. Yeah, they keep like that was rough. Those guys are 50 years old. That's not gonna be the best the next day and then Batista losing I thought she should have won I would have liked to see him win but I, th- I wanted stipulation I wanted, of Triple H I wanted Dave to win yeah. the second they announced that they're like okay you just you ruined everything and the only <laughs> thing like if they were going to make this 25 minutes I thought they should have done it like Triple H versus Sting have DX run in and have Randy Orton make the safe for Batista and then you have something like that but Ric Flair just coming on giving Triple H a sledgehammer for a second, I thought um, they were going to swerve it and have, like, Ric Flair help Dave oh, beat Triple H and end his career. Oh, that would have been good. And that would have been good. And I'm like, continue, I'm like, but damn, but. WWE yeah. creative. Would you compare this to The Undertaker and Triple H at WrestleMania 27? It's pretty similar. Uh, it was what we were expecting, just a lot of brawling on the yeah. outside. I didn't think he'd pull the toolbox out of his ass and start <laughs> dissecting him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, same mold as that. My favorite spot in the in the match was when he power bombed him on the steel steps, yeah. and he literally bounced off. Like he went and like right, and then he did the pedigree, and then he kicked down. I was like, okay, maybe Dave wins this. And then the sledgehammer, he did like the Superman punch sledgehammer move. Oh yeah. And then that was it. So uh, Triple H winning to me. I didn't want to see it happen, but it did. He lost the last couple Mania, so we'll give it to Triple H. What'd you think of his entrance this year? I you know what I I liked it, but. Uh, I don't know why. I love Dave's. Yeah. <laughs> Very Hollywood. I, li- I, like, I think I like Dave's more. <laughs> I actually thought they were going to have the all Marvel come out since uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. No, not Gar- Avengers is coming out. I yeah. They are going to actually go all out with that, and they didn't. So it was a nice surprise that 
They kept it simple with just the car and having them come out. Up next, I barely these two matches. I really don't want to talk about that long. Corbin Angle, Corbin Baron Corbin defeats Kurt Angle in his last match at WrestleMania. So going forward, what does this do for Baron Corbin? It can do wonders for Corbin if it's uh if it's similar the way that Heyman was boosting when Lesnar beat the streak. If Corbin comes out every week and says like I retired Kurt Angle like. That's only going to piss people off. So, like, that can be good stuff for him. But we saw the next night on Raw, yep. they went totally fucking backwards with that. But the result, I like. But the only thing I remember about the match, honestly, was the moonsault barely making it over. Oh <laughs> like, God. I thought he landed on his neck. That could have been tragic. I would have been bad if he landed on his neck. I love when he went for it. I think I looked at you and collab. I'm like, no, he's not doing this right now. And he did it. And I swear, his neck was literally like this close like it oh i'm like oh my god and then he did his finisher and he got the pinfall and i was like oh Thank god it's over. Fuck. <laughs> john please come out cena come out please even did the, the you can't see me corbin during the match yeah like, okay maybe something will give but no no it didn't i think he was just trolling the fans because like he probably knew the spoilers or the rumors he's like you're not getting john like i'm here but yeah, that match to me was a train wreck. Yeah, the whole the whole thing was a train wreck yeah. for me. And then another train wreck, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley. I thought this was awful, predictable. Don't give a shit. I don't know what they're I don't know what they're doing moving forward with Finn. I guess they're gonna feud with Sami Zayn. We'll see where that goes. But um, I love Sami Zayn. I love how he's back. I love his <laughs> his buzzed head. Yes. <laughs> he kind of did what Seth did on Raw. He's like, yeah. I miss this, but I don't miss any of you. And you <laughs> and it's promo. it's like, good. yes, he's, he's fucking heel. Thank God. But yeah, uh, the thing I liked this match was the entrance of Finn Balor and Bobby Lashley's contacts. That's basically it. Nothing else. I think I'm with you there. I didn't like it at all. Actually, my favorite <laughs> part of this short. match, take this in. My favorite part of this match was Michael Cole's voice. Oh, Do you remember him? Like like uh, when Lashley went for the spear, just hoarse. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, my God. You need a night off, buddy. Yeah. That's what happens when you call seven hours of entertainment. The demon is intercontinental champion. Like, you, bar- you can barely talk. Like, throughout the entire night, they're switching commentators. Yeah. Except for Cole. Yeah. Like, yeah, no shit he's going to sound like that. Give the guy a break. <laughs> I love how he lifted uh, Lashley. Oh, yeah. And, and Cole's like, no, no, this is the demon. Finn can't do this. I'm like, oh, my God, he is Finn. Oh, Idiot. It's just makeup. It's wrestling. Oh, my God. It was too... This is a powerbomb, and then Michael Cole trying to sell it so much. I loved it, oh, but my God. the finish was whatever. It, it was, was too short of a match. Four minutes, it, whatever. Yeah, yeah. the entrance was fun. Yeah. Was <laughs> and then, of course, we had the main event, winner-take-all triple threat for both the Raw and the SmackDown women's title. This was pretty cool. I thought that um, – I think I expected a little more out of this match, but it was still pretty decent. Um as we all know or found out after the fact that Ronda Rousey suffered a broken hand during the match. I don't know how. Like, I'm trying to remember what spot it could have been. But um, to me, the MVP in this match, you could you already know who it is. It was Charlotte. Charlotte Charlotte easily did the most. That mo- the nat- What was that move she did? It was like the reverse uh, suplex off the top to Becky Lynch. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that was fantastic. I love the figure eight on, uh, on Becky. There were a lot of stuff there where... You thought Charlotte was going to win, and she didn't. And um, to me, Ronda didn't look good at all. I think this might have been one of her worst matches. 
He didn't do a whole lot now that I'm thinking about it. So what were your thoughts overall? The the match was kind of sloppy. Yeah. But <laughs> uh, similar to the Seth and Brock match, not that I wasn't looking forward to it, just uh, mainly the result. Yeah. And just seeing Becky with the, the two titles at the end, closing the show with the fireworks, just made the whole friggin' night for me. Yeah, just, okay, the match was a little sloppy. I actually thought Charlotte was going to win this because we got two moments yeah, now. Yeah, Kofi and Kofi had his. And, yeah, Charlotte did a lot of work. Even that table spot where the table didn't break near the end, thought she got injured on that. And then uh, Charlotte, no, Ronda had uh, Becky, and then Becky reversed into a pin. I thought that was a little underwhelming to end the match like that because that's the first main event of WrestleMania with women. Triple threat, Becky did all this to get into the match with Ronda, and she beats her with, like, a crucifix pin, and there's, like, controversy at the end with, like, <laughs> shoulders her shoulders were like, yeah, down. Like, was... That's not a good way to end the show. I think that took a little bit out of it. I feel like they did that on purpose. I think they did, because <laughs> I remember what they said was if Ronda tapped, like, it wouldn't have looked good at yeah. all, because, like, the whole storyline before, where it's, like, all, like, the armbar's fake. Like, it wasn't like it a doesn't hurt. pin. Like, if she beat her with, like, a huge move, like, off the top, going through a table or something, then <laughs> pinned her one, two, three, it would have been, like, okay, that's a huge win now. But, like, she beat her with, like, a pin. Just or roll up. by. Yeah. It looks like a fluke. So, overall, after looking at Mania, what would you rate Mania out of 10? I would give it a seven and a half, like, around there. Like, it was a good, it was entertaining, much more entertaining than last year. Uh, the matches, for me, delivered to a certain extent. There were only a few moments that were slow and dragging on the show. I'll say six and a half, seven, but I will say it is it was better than I expected. So going from thirty to thirty-five, where would you rank thirty-five? From thirty to thirty-five. I know I'm putting you on the spot, but okay, I know for a fact I did not like thirty-one. That might be the worst one out of those. <laughs> um, I like thirty-four. You liked last year's? I kind of liked last year's. But mm. whenever Mania comes around, I just don't have the most, uh, the highest expectations. Yeah. Just because, like, they bring all these people back and you want to see certain guys. Like, where was Kevin Owens on Sunday? That's my favorite, and he wasn't on the friggin' show. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, don't bring that up. I, I feel like out of those five, though, maybe 30 is number one. Possibly, because, like, the... The Battle Royals are relevant now, but that was the best one by a mile. And at the time, it was very prestigious. The match with Triple H to start was awesome. The finish was amazing. Yeah, I'm going to go... Uh, 32 was the worst, I think. Triple H in the main event. Yeah. In a long match. Is that the Ambrose Lesnar? Yeah, yeah, Ambrose Lesnar, AJ Jericho, and... I forgot who else was on that. Uh, to me, um, 35 might be one of the best when I look at 30 to 35. Because 34... The last, like, hour last year was just awful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 30, 33, the main event with Taker and Reigns was Stop. just awful. And don't forget Cena and, and Miz. And Cena Miz was oh, awful. And the best match on the night there was probably Rollins and Triple H. And, like, even then Rollins was, like, still kind of injured. And, yeah. like, to me it was a waste of a, a program for Rollins. But I guess if he has to be the man, he has to beat the guy running it. I don't know. That's what Hunter thinks, at least. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like, I'm looking back at it, like, 33 was not all that bad, but, like, if you have Undertaker and Reigns main event and Reigns wins and the the crowd reaction was just dead, like, like Undertaker even 32 when Reigns beat uh, Triple H, it's supposed to be this huge coronation and, like, no one fucking cheered, like, it was predictable, 31... It's up there for a lot of people because Seth Rollins cashing in was just something that 
you didn't expect. And even the Reigns and Lesnar match, looking back at it, it like, yeah, wrestling from a wrestling point of view wasn't good. But entertaining, like, from an entertainment, it was, it was fucking entertaining, man. Depends. The how animosity you, you could feel between the two. Depends how you view Lesnar matches, I guess. Because yeah. you either hate him or love him. It's just that match. I think that one was better than the one last year with Reigns. It was. Like, that, it yeah, was. It was. And then Rollins coming in was a good surprise. 33 Goldberg-Lesnar, I thought was, it was five minutes of, you know, what was going to happen. But for what it was, it was like entertaining that they didn't drag on like the WrestleMania 20 match. That was 25 minutes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, 33, um, I'd probably put on the same level as 35, but 30 and 31, I think. Yeah. We're like, pr- we're pretty solid. I'll say the latter match to start 31 was one of the best openers I've seen in a while. Is that when Brian won the title? Yeah, so. yeah. There were there were a couple matches at 31 that if if it did deliver, it would have been a fantastic show. And um, like a couple matches fell flat. Like I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, you had um, Cena Rusev. That was awful. Yeah. If if that if that lived up to the hype, and you know Rusev's streak was on the line, Rusev arguably going over beating Cena. That that would have that would have done wonders. Then you had Bray Wyatt versus The Undertaker, same WrestleMania. The crowd was so into it, but like again, fans like ourselves, it's like, what's this doing for Bray Wyatt? If like he goes out and loses, those were the official burials of yeah. those two so, at that mania. And then That's when Undertaker lost the streak, you knew they weren't gonna have him lose two. And then you had the Sting and Triple H match, and then you had the Rock segment. So a lot of stuff in that was a lot of filler and bullshit. But if it actually went through, like the Rollins and Orton match did, I didn't think that would be good, and that was that was pretty solid. You had the ladder match, you had the main event, which delivered. So uh, Mania 31 to me was pretty solid. I I didn't have a lot of problems with it, but 33 and 34 were kind of yeah not so yeah, good. Remember the opener from 34? They get those right. Seems to they get those right every year, and then it just kind of yeah goes downhill. <laughs> I know the last hour like of WrestleManias are huge. Like if they, for me, if they don't deliver and if the crowd isn't into it, for me, that just downgrades the whole show. It doesn't completely help when, uh, when the show's like seven hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, even, like I'm going to bring back 33 and 34. Like the last, like the main events, if they don't deliver and if the fans are not invested, it's just bringing down the grade. Like the, like the whole Triple H, Roman Reigns, 32. Like no one gave a shit. They knew what was coming. <laughs> they loved when Steph got... Yeah, you know, got speared. Yeah. That was awesome. And, but then again, you had Taker and uh, Reigns the next year. Reigns winning again in the main event. It's like, does that, people don't want to see this. And then you had Lesnar beat Reigns in the main event of 34 after we saw Braun Strowman and a 10-year-old beat the bar. You forget what I said about liking 34. I just, I just remember it now and not, not good times. <laughs> The, the the match of the night at 34 to me was probably the Ronda Rousey Kurt Angle match. Oh yeah, Angle actually <laughs> could move back. Then. That was good no, though. I wasn't ago. bad. That was one of the best debuts out of a non wrestler coming in. Yeah. Yeah, Ronda did her she did her thing in that. But anyways, that was that was a lot of wrestling. Now we got to get into my favorite NHL playoff predictions, guys. This is a this is a fun one. I love doing these. So to start off, I got to ask this question. Does Columbus remotely have a shot of beating Tampa Bay? Because we're getting into the Vasilevsky versus Bobrovsky matchup. I love it. A lot of other people love it. Does Columbus have a shot? 
I think Bob will steal them a game, maybe two if they're lucky, but Tampa just has way too much star power. I don't think they're they're getting past them. I'm going to go with the upset. <laughs> I love Columbus's chances in this because Bobrovsky can steal games. He's probably one of the best goalies in the world. Panarin, if he's on, that's another elite player. Duchesne's got to get on here. Dezingle. And then all the other guys that Columbus has, their forward group is pretty deep. They got great defensemen like Seth Jones, Wierenski. So I love I like their chances. And then Tortorella, he's got that. He's a wild card in this. You don't know what you're <laughs> going to get with him tactic-wise uh, and what he's going to do with his matchups. So I'm going to go with Columbus, stealing the first-place President's Trophy record winners, Tampa Bay. Seven games. Wow. Um, <laughs> that is that is a great that's great, that's Alino. I did not. I did not expect that. That is a hot take. Wow. Um, I love what they did at the deadline, getting Dezingle and Duchesne and all these other names. But Tampa Bay, man, Braden Point coming off like a ninety-four point season. Third in scoring on that. Kucherov, Kucherov, one hundred and twenty-eight points, the most since Yarmir Yager in like ninety-six in a year. Um, a lot of people have him. Like I saw predictions, a lot of people have this team winning the cup, and not only winning the cup, but Kucherov winning the Conn Smythe. I think I think this is a foregone conclusion that the Lightning are winning. I I think the Lightning, sixty wins in a year, man, that just doesn't happen. And um, sixty wins, eighty two games, that's <laughs> that's mental. I'm thinking about that. I'm gonna say the Blues. I'm I'm gonna say the Lightning win this in five. I think Bob is going to steal a game. There have been times where Bob has been the better goalie. But again, when you compare offense, it's not even close. Um, the defense, though, uh, I will say that Columbus, if they do start, if Tortorella has a right game plan and he shuts down that top line, yeah. you never you never know. It's yeah. a different season playoffs. They you never know. Solid top four Columbus. They like do. One of the more underrated ones in the league. That's the only like reason why. Like This is the only series I think could be a steal. Compared to the other ones, but like the more I'm looking at it, um, if I'm Tampa Bay, I think I would rather have wanted to face Carolina than Columbus. Because yeah. even looking at it, like Columbus, if they were to have this team all year, I don't think they're an eighth seed. I think they're like second or third, like playing Pittsburgh probably in the first, and the Islanders go down. Yeah, I, I don't like this whole playoff matchup. Although Columbus, the last, uh, they they always seem to get shafted with the Pits getting uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. and then the one time they don't, they get Tampa. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> they go to the Atlantic. <laughs> like I just, I feel really bad for Columbus, but again, like they got 62 wins in a season. 62 wins. Like I've never seen that. Even with Kucherov's numbers, never seen that. So I just feel like if Tampa Bay loses in the first round to the Blue Jackets, like what the hell is next for this franchise? Because they can't sign Braden Point. To me, that's a foregone conclusion. They can't. Oh. Uh, I'm working around that. I have to sign Braden Point. I'm dipping like three or four guys if I have to. <laughs> not letting that guy walk. You might have to let like Johnson, Gordy, Miller. Or you have let, to trade Braden Point. Or you might have to picks. trade like a Sirkachev or someone else. A lot of tough decisions, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's tough. Braden Point's probably going to want around nine. And he's an 94, you said? Yeah. Yeah, he had a great season. 40, 40 goals. He was third in scoring. You can go to arbitration and <laughs> just take Tampa for everything they have. Yeah, but... <laughs> so for me, it's safe to say that you say the Blue Jackets yeah, win. The upset. I think they're going to win a couple. A lot of people are expecting a clean sweep. Um, 
All I'm saying is don't be surprised if Columbus comes right out. Columbus is coming into this knowing that you're taking on a 62-win team. They've only lost 20 games in the year. Actually, probably like 14. The rest were probably in OT. So Columbus coming into this, and even if I'm Tortorella, there's not a lot of pressure on them. I don't know because like they say they're like they're playing with house money because they're playing the best team and no one expects them to win. But it was what they did at the deadline to try to get them over. So even if, unfortunately, yeah, they're playing Tampa, but if they get bounced in four or five, like what's next for Columbus? Yeah, yeah it's true. Both both teams have big uh, big shoes to fill. So well, I guess we got to wait and see what happens. But I'm gonna say Tampa in five. That's my prediction. I will say Tampa Bay in five as well. And you say Blue Jackets in seven. Wow. Next up, guys, we have is the classic series. The series we all knew would happen, and it's finally coming. The Bruins take the home ice advantage, taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs. This time around, it's a little different. The Leafs have John Tavares in the lineup. What happens in this playoff matchup? It's going to go very similar to last year, I think. It'll be a really close series. I love the people online. Bruins in three. Okay. Nah, that's <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's usually back and forth. We saw like in the regular season, it's always close in the playoffs last year. I think this will go seven games. It'll be decided in that third period, I think. We just have to learn how to hold on to a lead. Our big guys got to get going here, though. I think Toronto wins it finally. They have the team. They have the right pieces. Babcock's going to rearrange the lineups. I think uh, they were even talking before we came here, they were talking about like Nylander and Kapanen swapping around, maybe going on the fourth line, third line, Nylander going on third line center. So that means either Kadri or Matthews will go on Tavares' wing at some point. And if they do that, that's going to bring Boston. They're going to give them a lot of trouble, I think. And that's going to be the deciding factor in the Leafs moving on. For me, the biggest question is the first two games. If the Leafs lose the first two games in Boston... I think they're out. Um, this is a this is a series where you can't you can't start playing when you're down three one because that's basically what the Leafs have needed to do. They've been it's been a two nothing series lead for the Bruins. They win both at home. Go back to Toronto. They split it. They're down three one. Then they win both in game five and six, and then they lose in game seven. So that's basically what's been happening. The Leafs have the offense to dethrone the Bruins. They have it. But the way that they've been playing defensively the last month and a half has a lot of people just doubting them in a big way. And the Bruins flat out, oh, I'm going to say the Bruins in five. I'm going to say the Bruins in four. I'm going to say the Bruins in six. I'm going to say the Bruins max in five, like what O-Dog said. He's only saying that because the Leafs the last two months have been one of the worst defensive teams. And we've said this over and over again. The Leafs need more defense if they want to be Stanley Cup contenders. I think it's a pretty good timing because literally just a week ago they got Gardner back and they got Dermott back and the last I love the last game of the season they they sat out Ron Hainsey and Zaitsev I'm like wouldn't you think they'd scratch like Riley and Gardner yeah. like <laughs> I I think they uh, they're expecting big minutes from Hainsey too though like going into this because he's like one of the shutdown D's I think Muzzin should be a uh, heavily relied on after acquiring him at the deadline for the type of guy that he is with the team that we're playing i think he's a big x factor in this series i think if he performs the way he did with the kings i think we have a pretty good shot but again we got to shut down that top line marchand at 100 points bergeron keeps getting better and pasternak 
even though he kind of he kind of you know fell off a bit at the end of the year he did have a couple serious injuries and if he didn't get injured I wouldn't have been surprised if he had 50 goals he's just that silky he's that good and um, if the Leafs don't shut down that line I'm telling you man the Bruins are gonna win this series so to me when it comes down to it the Leafs have to be sharp defensively Freddie has to be the Leafs best player if they want to win and honestly guys I know that there's a lot of pressure on the kid but Austin Matthews has to show up come this playoff series i think the last two years uh marner's been our best forward and that's kind of been the story going into it and everyone's kind of shitting on nylander and matthew so yeah the kids really do have to step it up especially matthews he has to Tavares now yeah he's gonna be our guy oh you know what i'm gonna go on a limb here i'll say leafs in seven games but i think this is a series where you could flip a coin just down to the wire for me i'm going leafs in six Leafs and seven. Yeah. Okay. So, Bruins, you're out. Okay. So, ne- <laughs> next up we have is the Washington Capitals, the defending champs. Great story last year. Can't can't do any. Ovi again, 50 goals. I don't know how he's doing it, but he keeps doing it. They're taking on a team that basically has nothing to lose. They're coming in. This Carolina team kind of reminds me of the Leafs two years ago. As they came into the playoffs, and no one really, like, knew what – what they can do and Carolina making the playoffs with the goalies they have to me is insane. You have Mrazic and McElhaney and you make the postseason with this and now you're taking on the defending champs and I'm not going to lie guys, I could see Carolina beating them. I don't know what it is. I could see Carolina beating Washington. It's just my opinion. There's a hot take. There it is. So we got two hot takes here. Uh, I'm going to go with Washington in this. Just because if Morazic actually, you know what, if he plays to his potential, like we saw in the World Juniors uh, all those years ago, I think he can steal a game or two. But I just see Washington too much depth because Nets off, backs from Ovi. I think they take him out in five games. It'll be closer than most people think. Like They're two very similar teams, the way they play. Very uh, fast-paced, up-and-down game. I, I have the caps in six due to that experience factor over the last few years, so... I, you know, I am really looking forward to this series, though. It should be a fun one. I, I have the Canes in seven games. I have them winning this. The only reason why I have them winning this is because, again, they really have no pressure. Uh, Aho is a superstar in my eyes. I think Jordan Stahl has had one of the best seasons he's ever had. Uh, he's a great leader. Justin Williams, is. we all know how he is in the playoffs. They have a couple veterans that can sneak in a game seven and pot a couple goals in and keep moving forward Dougie Hamilton has kind of found his game as the season has progressed and they have a very underrated defense core the 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 Carolina Hurricanes so I mean as long as they can find a way to solve Braden Holpe I think Carolina could win this I agree with Pinello I think this will be a lot closer than people think and um, I'm going with the upset here I think Carolina wins this in seven and uh I think Ovi will be very disappointed with that but he had his moment and I think Carolina winning this it, it would be great for the NHL, kind of be like a Vegas story from last year. And then the next series we have, which to me is a series that I think is going to be very one-sided. That's my opinion. It's the Isles and the Penguins. I have the Penguins winning this in five games just because of Sidney Crosby losing last year to the Caps. I think he's going to use that as juice and motivation. I think they're going to steamroll the Islanders. Also because I want to see that happen. <laughs> This is all uh, very new to the Islanders. They're they're rolling in hot after John Tavares left and 
They're running on adrenaline with all the new. Yeah, guys and they're and they're and their fans are delusional as hell. A yeah. little bit. Barzell's leading the way over there. They got a lot of uh, young guys, but you know Matt Murray has been pretty solid this year, and Malkin and Crosby and Phil and Hornquist and Gunsel and you know, Bukestad down there. <laughs> McCann. Gensel had a forty goal year, which I didn't know. But Latang <laughs> <laughs> is finally playing. Oh Seems yeah. like he's healthy now. Uh, I actually have Pittsburgh in four in this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Pittsburgh in four. Wow. They're going to run over them. And I say five. And I thought oh, I was being wow. like harsh. You guys have, have them getting swept. So you have Leonard stealing a game? I think mm-hmm. Leonard has proven himself. I think he's a great starter. But, again, it's Pittsburgh. I don't care if you have home ice advantage. The Penguins coming into postseason territory. We've seen Crosby, Malkin. They're they're just on a different level. Even Kessel in the playoffs is a point-per-game guy in the playoffs. Like, that's a crazy stat considering he's on Boston, Toronto, now Pittsburgh. Should have won a Conn Smythe, I think, the first year. But now this year, they have a healthy squad now. Gensel, Latang's not hurt. They have him at 100%. Matt Murray's not concussed for now. <laughs> so they got him. I like Pittsburgh just easily beating them in four. And then the Islanders, I'm looking forward to the excuses. Oh, we didn't have John Tavares. But during the season, they're like, oh, see, we're better off. But looking forward to the when excuses. I look, when I look at the Islanders lineup... And, like, I'm looking at the matchup with the Penguins. To me, it's not even a – like, I am I love Leonard. He's had a great year. He's a Vesna contender. But, like, Matt Murray in the postseason, we've seen him, man. He's a monster. Again, you have the blue line. Latang is finally healthy. He's top 10 defenseman in the league. Do the Islanders have a top 10 defenseman? Do they have a top 30 defenseman? No, they don't. Pulak is good. Letty, to me, is one of the worst defensive D in the league. No D at all. Um as we all know, Johnny Boychuk is like 37. Like yeah. He's old. He's I think the there. biggest mismatch there, as much as I like Barzell, if he's going to go up against Crosby, he's going to get <laughs> yeah. eaten alive. And yeah, then he goes he, against Malkin. Even the second line, it's like Brock Nelson taking on Malkin. Like, They're going to have to grind it out. <laughs> like even Eberle, awful year. Like He's in a contract year. I feel bad. I, I, you know what? I don't even feel bad for the Islanders. <laughs> Penguins in five, and you guys both say four. Then I see Eberly getting the hell out of there. <laughs> so up next we have is the Preds and the Stars. I, I said before the podcast, not really looking forward to this series. I don't see a lot of excitement in this series. Don't know why. I know that you have a couple characters and Sagan and Subban going at it, but I don't see this series being a whole – like I don't see it being very fun. I think, I think the Preds will win this in maybe six or five, but to me Dallas, no way in hell beats them. I am taking Nashville in six. I like this series just because it's two teams we haven't really seen before. So it's like uh, it's all fresh and like these two teams going at it. You don't know how it's going to go exactly. But yeah, Dallas has a lot of offensive uh, star power. That's kind of what got them in. I love Heiskanen. I, I, I'm, yeah, sticking, I'm sticking with it. I still think he's better than Darlene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a hot team. But uh, yeah, Nashville, they seem to be one of those teams. The top five in the league every year. And can they get over the hump? I think they'll get past Dallas this year, but it, yeah, it should be a good series. I'm going to go with Nashville. Um, same reason, and I think their team, they have way more depth. Even their defense, I think, is the best in the league with Yossi, Subban, Ekholm, uh, Ellis. Ellis. Like, they're stacked. And I think for Dallas, they're going to need Jamie Benn to come up huge, Radulov to come up huge, say again, like they're going to rely on them too much, and then Bishop back there uncertain in the playoffs. The, the, the thing that I will basically give Dallas the, the, the advantage is goaltending. I think Bishop this year has been better than Rene by a little bit. But again, the defense 
way better is not Nashville. It's not even close. I love Heiskanen. I love guys like Yo Levy. I love those guys, but you're going up against a Subban, a Yossi, and like there's no competition there. Colm had a career year this year. Yeah, what do you have? Fifty something. Uh, around that. Yeah, and and and, and like crazy. Subban was injured like twenty games, so now he's healthy. He's rested, and you you, you can't forget that they got Granlund and Simmons at the trade deadline. So. Um, if Dallas's top line is not performing, I wouldn't even be surprised if this is a sweep. Because <laughs> like you're looking at their bottom six, who do they have? Rube Hints, sure. Like Jason Dickinson, like these guys are not <laughs> even. <laughs> these guys are not even on the same level as like, like I love the guys that the Preds have on the fourth line, like the Austin Watsons, the Colton Sissons. Watson is a little shit. But that's what yeah, I so. that's what I love. Like you need those guys in the playoffs to bring the momentum. You don't Who's going to bring it on Dallas? Martin Hansel? You don't even need Kyle Turris to step it up. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> that was that guy third line, second line. He's not even alive. It seems like. Yeah. It's a, it really is a shame because a year like a year ago we were we were raving about him. I think he might be better than Duchesne when the trade happened at the time. No, not now. I haven't but, heard his name since. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go with the Preds in six. You say Preds in yeah, five. five, and you say six. So sorry, Dallas. Next up, we have this is a matchup I want to see, and I've wanted to see it. Jets, Blues. Because the Blues, three months ago, were like bottom five in the league. This guy named Jordan Bennington comes in, and he just basically becomes a Calder favorite and a Vesna favorite. I love Hellebuck, but I got to give Bennington the edge right now. I think he's been on a whole different level. When you look at defense, it's kind of similar. I'd say I'd probably give the edge to St. Louis maybe a little more. With the Pareko, Petrangelo, Edmondson, Bortuzzo, Bolmeister, those guys can they can play at least 20 minutes, all of them. To me, the guy that has to show up here, Patrick Laine has to show up. Yeah. If he does not show up, and guys like Kyle Connor have to take all the pressure, not only does this hurt Winnipeg as a franchise because they have to sign Connor, but what do you do with Laine? Because Laine is also in a contract year. This guy has to show up for his sake and for his team's sake. Line A has to show up. I think he's still going to get that max deal, but it won't be as much as people think because what do you have this year, 50 points? He he had an awful year. I don't care if <laughs> I don't care who he is or what it, where his origins are, who he's supposed to be. You get 50 points. If I see that guy get 12 mil, <laughs> I'm literally – I will lose it because a guy of that caliber, <laughs> I don't care how good your shot is. I don't care what you do. You haven't won a cup. You, you what, what did he get, 40 goals in his first year? Did he even get 40? He had like he had, 38. Uh, and 36 and then 44 the next year. Okay, so you're a one-time 40-goal scorer. You have the goal-scoring resume, but you're coming off a 50-point year. That oh. just doesn't look good for you. A full season, too. And you had 18 in one month. <laughs> so take in how bad that is. So to me, the guy that has to come in here with a vengeance is Patrick Laine. He has to come in here get like two goals first game right off the bat he needs to bring his confidence back another guy that had a similar season but he's turned it around Tarasenko end of the year that guy's been scoring nonstop. and you know how much I love Ryan O'Reilly I think that guy's a hockey player I'm going with the Blues winning this in seven games I'm gonna go with this is tough I'm gonna go Winnipeg in seven but I see a lot of the games going to overtime. Like, mm-hmm. I think out of all the series in this playoffs, this is going to go to overtime the most. I think four out of the seven will go to overtime. I think uh, this will be similar to the uh, LA Vegas 
Like yeah. it was four games, but every like it was like OT. one goal and it was OT. Yeah. I have the Blues in six and like very similar style. It's going to be so close. I think the goaltending will be the X factor. Uh, I think Vince Dunn is one of those guys who can really break out. He's had such a solid season. I'm very high on him. What do you have? Twelve goals. Uh, he was around 40 points. He had double-digit goals, though. Yeah. Trangelo's still one of the best in the league. Oh, he turned it around, too, second half. I think uh, the type of player Ryan O'Reilly is, I think he'll be the X factor. Because uh, I haven't really heard a whole lot out of Shifley lately. No. I think that's another guy for Winnipeg that may have to pick it up, along with Line. Ehlers, too. Like, if that forward group for Winnipeg isn't going, and there's, like, a lot of stars over there, that that's going to cause some problems. <laughs> The, to me, the biggest mismatch, in my opinion, is I don't think anyone can really cover Tarasenko. When I'm looking at the wings, yeah, like if if Tarasenko's gonna be on the same wing as like a Connor or like a Ehlers, I don't think that's a matchup that the Jets want. As a horse, like <laughs> you might have to do a mismatch and have like a grinder, like a Brandon Tanev on him or something like that, if you really want to mismatch it, but. I don't know. I don't know what they're gonna throw at St. Louis, the, the the Jets, because like their offense is really good, but they're not the biggest. Like Shifley's a horse, um, Wheeler's a horse, but those guys have to perform. They can't be throwing their bodies around during the series. They have to score. So you have guys like Perron who coming off an awesome year in Vegas. You have he wants to basically you know finish the job with St. Louis. He's been a he's he's how long has he been in St. Louis for? throughout his career, like five years, six years. So he wants to do something there. O'Reilly, hell of a player. Um, Alex Steen, I, I think he still has a little bit left in the tank. I'd love to see Robbie Fabry come back and do something. They have Shen there. They have Shen. They, oh, I forgot about Brayden Shen. Uh, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> they have Colton Pareiko on the back end. He's solid. Petrangelo picked it up. So I don't know. I think Shifley has to pick it up. I think Line has to pick it up. If they don't, and if Bufflin doesn't do something, then I think the Blues are... They're going to win this one. That's a good one. Um, but I think this series is going to be really fun. The next series, I think actually the West is like very, very entertaining, except the Nashville-Dallas one. Next we have is the Flames and the Avs. I know you're looking forward to this one. Um, I got the Flames winning this in seven games. I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people expect. I think I would love to. I think, you know, Colorado, I would love to see them win. I think they, like Columbus, have the squad capable of being the first place team, I just see the Flames beating them in four games. Like, it's going to be one goal games. They're going to edge them out. I don't know. I see the Flames winning. <laughs> Very excited for this. Should just be so fast-paced, up and down. High like, scoring. A yeah. lot of young stars in this game. Rantanen, McKinnon, Landeskog, Gaudreau, Monaghan. Fucking list goes on. Lindholm. I think uh, yeah. a guy like Kachuk will be an X factor because yeah. he's just going to agitate the shit out of everyone. And I don't know who Colorado has. It's going to match that. But, yeah, you look at Calgary's defense, too. Oh. And uh, you look at it on paper, and there is some mismatches. But I'm just – I think a guy like McKinnon and just that line in oh. general can Nate take over. Good. Do you got Colorado winning? I, I have Calgary in six, but I would not be surprised if it went the other way. I have, I have Calgary in seven. I think uh, a lot of people – I think they're going. They're getting on the Flames bandwagon too much. I I hear I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, like uh, use this as a Flames lightning final button." Like a lot of people are kind of like <laughs> just assuming the Flames are going to the finals or on that bandwagon. I think the Flames don't necessarily have that team yet to be a Stanley Cup contending. But 
I think it's a it's a favorable matchup for them in the first round to take on Colorado. Colorado, we've seen the last maybe month. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think they'd make it. Uh, the last month, they've been kind of like off and on, very inconsistent. But Landis Cog was injured for most of that. And Rantanen, to me, the last month or two, he's been awful. He hasn't really done a lot. McKinnon had to pick it up at the end just to solidify a playoff spot. But I love Varlamov. I think he's a fantastic goalie when he wants to put the work in. And the Flames, if Riddich and Smith are inconsistent and the, the offensive ability that McKinnon has, I think that there's no reason why the Avs can't beat the Flames. But I'm going to go with the Flames winning in seven just based off the fact that I think there's not really a matchup um, that Colorado has for that second line, the Backland, Kachuk, and uh, I think it's Bennett. That line, I think, is fantastic. Or it's maybe it's Kachuk, Backland, Froelich. I think that second line is just going to murder uh, one of Colorado's matchups. Because I know Kerfoot love him, but I don't think he could go up against the two-way game of uh, Backland and Kachuk. No way. So I'm going to go with Calgary in seven. But I think this matchup's going to be very fun to watch. You even have a couple young D and Gerard and Hannafin coming in here, so... Very looking forward to it. Um, next we have is another flip the coin matchup. This always seems like the case with the Sharks. It always mm-hmm. seems like it's going to be a nice close series. Sharks, Golden Knights. This happened last year in the second round. The Sharks looking for revenge. Who wins this one? Still sticking with uh, Vegas here. I think Flurry's going to steal them the series because I have not heard Jones's oh, name since awful. Christmas. But uh, yeah, I said it before. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> <We're> not- <laughs> Halloween is the last time I heard it. <laughs> Second week of the season was the last oh, time. Man. It's just so hard to uh, to overlook the Sharks when you look at their top nine and what Burns consistently does all the oh, time and they're man. fucking getting Carlson back. It's oh. a gift. I just look at Vegas and I love the way their team is set up. They have a rock back there in net. Very mobile on the back end. Their core guys are going. So hopefully Vegas in seven. I'm going to go with the Sharks in seven. Uh, Eric Carlson coming back is going to be huge for them. Their forward group is unbelievable. Vegas is good too. I just don't think Flurry's going to be able to get them that seventh game. He's going to have to steal every game for them, I think, because their defense isn't, compared to San Jose's, isn't that great. But their forward group is really good. Pacioretty's got to turn it on. Mark Stone's got to turn it on. But the winner, I'm going to say this, the winner of this series will go to the Stanley Cup final. I it's crazy that you guys both said seven games. I say six games and I'm going to go with Vegas winning this. I think Vegas is a team where they are still considered underdogs and no one really takes them seriously. I think a lot of people year after year, he's getting older. Marc-Andre Fleury, people just kind of cancel him out. They're like, this guy's not good. He's not going to help you win a series. You just said he's a rock and net. I think he is. I think he's going to go the distance. I, I don't think Martin Jones is the goalie for San Jose for their success. They tried that three years ago. They didn't beat the Penguins. I don't think it's going to change now, even with an uh, addition of Eric Carlson. I love San Jose's roster. I love Evander Kane. I love Couture. I love Meyer. I love all these guys. But when it all comes down to it, you need goaltending. And Martin Jones, to me, is not the goalie for them, especially now that Vegas has Mark Stone and guys like William Carlson and Jonathan Marchessault, don't they want to don't they want to rebound and bounce back? They didn't have that good of a year, so I think they're going to be coming out firing on all cylinders. And I I got Vegas winning this in six games, and I think Vegas, I think they could go to the Stanley Cup final again too. Oh god, that's just my <laughs> opinion. <laughs> Anyways, guys, that is our first round predictions. We talked about NXT, we talked about WWE WrestleMania, and we talked about the Stanley Cup playoff preview. 
Thanks, guys, for watching. Make sure to comment, like, subscribe. Follow us on all the socials that we are a part of. And make sure to stay tuned. Take it easy, guys.